0: Hello. Welcome to JFC. Uh, my name is Marcus. I'm the campus pastor at our Lone Tree campus. I want to st- extend a special welcome to our other campuses uh, Lakewood, Castle Rock, Highlands Ranch, anybody live streaming to us today. Um, we just thank you guys for joining in with us. We are in the midst of our uh, Moses series, as you guys could see from that roll in Miracles and Mist- Mistakes. And I'm actually not going to be the one teaching to you guys, but I have the great pleasure of announcing um, a guest speaker that we have today. And this is not just any normal guest speaker, um, but this is a guy named uh, pastor John Stalker. Some of you may have heard the name, Pastor John Stalker. He's here with his wife, Miss Linda, today. And you guys are about to just be graced with the presence of God through this message. Um, just a little background here Pastor John Stalker um, was the pastor of Resurrection Fellowship of, up in Loveland, Colorado for 32 years, where Pastor John Leach actually got uh, a great start in ministry here in Colorado. Um, some wonderful things happened there, to where Pastor John, as we all know, if you've been around the church for any amount of time, had a vision from the Lord and a dream to start this church. Well, it's from that church, from Resurrection Fellowship, Um, where the blessing of God came from, specifically from Pastor John Stocker to our senior pastor, Pastor John Leach. The blessing, the provision, the life, the encouragement to go out and to start this church. So whether you know it or not, you're sitting in these seats and you have actually been indirectly or directly blessed by the ministry of Pastors John and Linda Stocker. Uh, Two years ago, Pastor John and Linda um, handed over the church to another wonderful pastor in Loveland Um, and they've been retired for the last two years but how many of you guys know that a pastor just never stops. He's just been rolling, rocking and rolling. We were actually just talking downstairs this weekend um, just about the wonderful things and the heart and the passion that he still has just to continue to teach and to preach the word of the Lord. Uh, We actually just recently as well, many of you may know, um, especially you guys at our Highlands Ranch campus, we actually just recently hired um, Pastor John and Linda's daughter and son-in-law over at our Highlands Ranch campus and they Will be starting with us here in April. Um, And so, just some really cool things. Um, But it is my great honor, my privilege, um, just to be able to welcome up a man who has directly blessed this church, a man who is blessed by God, and a man who I know has a fantastic message from the Lord today, Pastor John Stalker. If you guys would all just give him a warm welcome for me, please. Thank you, Pastor John.
1: Thank you, Marcus. Um, isn't it something how uh, God sometimes, you've heard the saying, what goes around comes around? <laughs> it's amazing to me how that what goes around does come around. Um, we, we had such a desire to see this church get started, and at the time we, we took up an offering, and it was substantial, and uh, just put that in Pastor John Leach's hands and said, use it however God tells you to. And uh, then, and probably even more important than the offering, um, I uh, felt very, very strong that God wanted us to release a bunch of people to come down here, whether forever or not, at least temporary, to get the thing going. And so I said, okay, I know some of you, God's speaking to your heart that this is your new pastor, and you're supposed to go with him. We had about 120 people that raised their hands. We had them come forward. I said, gather around your new pastor. He's now your pastor, and, and I want you to commit to pray for him. And we, they, they prayed for him, and then we prayed for that entire church. And as they say, the rest is history. <laughs> so that was then, and what happens now? Just, I can I I've got some goosebumps right now. I cannot tell you how thrilled we are to have our kids come down here and, and join this amazing team that y'all have. Um, uh, y- you don't really know them yet. I know them very well, <laughs> <laughs> and I got to tell you, you guys are getting a treasure. Um, they were uh, children's pastors up at Res for 11 years. and. Uh, what they built up there in the children's ministry is absolutely amazing. And here's the deal. They're self-starters. They'd come to me. We've got this dream. We've got this vision that we want to do this. We want to do that. I'm like, that sounds like a lot of work to me. And they're like, that's okay. That's okay. We want to do it. We, we just live to do things like that. And um, my God, goodness. Uh, um, I've already told them, when you go down there, do not make work for yourself like that. They'll do it anyway. I'm just telling you. Hey, that video. Wow. Woo. I leaned over to my wife. I said, you suppose if I dressed in drag, I could sneak in? (laughs) Oh, I can't believe I said that. It was a joke. All right. Do not write a letter to Pastor John. So uh, where 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 are we going here uh, tonight and this weekend? Um, uh, Pat, I, I always when I go out to preach someplace, I always ask the pastor, you know, where are you at? What are you preaching on right now? He told me he's preaching a series on Moses, uh, the the miracles and the mistakes. And, um, and I decided right away that I wanted to tag on to that, and I, I wanted to uh, spend the weekend teaching about, and by the way, you're right, it's, it's crazy. It's like, I'm trying to retire. Uh, this, this will mark the 11th time I've taught this week. I've been teaching every day, from Monday till now, twice a day. So uh, it, has, it has been quite a week, glory to God. But uh, um, I, I want, what I want to do is I wanted uh, us to look at tonight at uh, Moses' marriage. And the reason I want to do that is because it really fits the, 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 the title here, Miracles and Mistakes. Okay? And and believe it or not, there were some miracles involved in his marriage, and there were some mistakes involved in his, mar- in, in his marriage. First of all, the miracles. It was a miracle he didn't kill his wife, and a miracle she didn't kill him. All right? There's the miracles, all right? <laughs> ha! But uh, uh, um, uh, I, I have to just tell you, um, I. I I, I get a very strong feeling. I can't give you a chapter and verse, you know, thus says the Lord, and they did not live happily ever after. I, ca- I can't show that to you anywhere. You got to kind of read between the lines and all that, but the bottom line is when you do that, you come to the inescapable conclusion that um, probably um, he didn't have a, a very, uh, a very happy marriage. And I think you'll agree with me as we get down at, uh, uh, and look at it a little bit. Um, let me give you some background. First of all, um, after, you all know, know about Moses and how when he got to be a young man, he, he had a temper, and he killed an Egyptian, he had to flee for his life, and the Bible says that he, he went down to a place called Midian. Now I want to give you a little background on Midian. Midian, um, uh, if you just picture the Middle East and you, and you see where Egypt is, Midian would have been further to the west and a little bit south in North Africa, in what is modern day Ethiopia. And um, And I'll give you a little background about this this area called Midian. After Sarah, Abraham's wife, died, a lot of people don't realize this, he married another woman. Now, this freaks me out because, I mean, they said he was so old and feeble, he had to be carried around. And yet he married another woman. Her, Her name was Keturah. And by her, he fathered six more sons. Dude, I'm telling you, I, I, I can't put my head around that, okay? Um, but, but one of those sons was named Midian, and he went down into that area, was the forefather of the Midianites, which provide all kinds of trouble for, for the children of Israel. But uh, that, that's a little background on that. So, so uh, Joseph, he went that same direction when he fled uh, uh, Egypt, and the Bible tells us that he went. He came into an area where the, the shepherds were watering their flocks. And there were seven young women there that were were watering their flocks or trying to. And the other shepherds in the area came, and they were guys, and so they just chased these women off. And uh, Moses, having the temper that he had, the anger problem that he had, um, he he just took matters into his own hands, and uh, he drove off all of these other shepherds. And then he helped these girls water their flocks. And that day they got home um, earlier than usual because... Ordinarily, they'd have to wait until all the other guys watered their flocks. But today, they got home real, real early. Their father says, hey, what's going on? How come you're home so early? They told him the whole story. He goes, where is this guy? Like, I want to meet him. They go, well, we don't know. Maybe back by the watering hole. He says, listen, go find him and bring him home. Listen, I have a hunch that if you got seven unmarried daughters... Yeah, you got it. <laughs> yeah. you're, you're, you're getting desperate, okay? I've I got to find him some men. And apparently, there weren't a lot of good qualified men in his opinion because, you know, they were all scumbags. They are chasing his daughters off. If they had a brain, they'd have been helping his daughters, okay? But they weren't doing that. And so it's like, man, I think we got us a keeper here. Let's go find him and bring him home. And so they, they brought him home, and he had dinner with them. And uh, Jethro, the father... He, he, he uh, made an offer to him. And I find, this, I find this interesting. He says, why don't you just come and stay with us? You got any place to stay? Just stay with us. Just live with us, okay? And I, I'm just going to give you a verse here that I find uh, really uh, kind of humorous. It's Exodus 2.21. It says, and Moses was content to dwell with them. <laughs> Now, I'll tell you something. <laughs> if I'm 20 years old and single, and I find a house that's got seven single women, I'm going to be content to dwell there. <laughs> I mean, this is not rocket science, okay? This is just an understanding of how men function. And uh, um, so eventually, that verse goes on to say that uh, uh, Jethro gave, and I think that's an important word, he gave. Moses, his daughter, whose name was Zipporah. Now, I'm going to say something. I don't mean to be offensive about this, but I think there's maybe, at least maybe, a possibility that there could be a major truth here. Of the seven daughters, I have a hunch that Zipporah was maybe not the prettiest one in the bunch. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, I don't know it for a fact, but I have a hunch it's like that because the most beautiful would have commanded the highest dowry. I got a hunch Zipporah was maybe not the prettiest, maybe not even close to the prettiest. I have a very good suspicion, I know I'm right on this, that Zipporah also had a huge anger problem and a temper. And uh, now we're going to start seeing here why I think they didn't have a happy marriage. You got a guy with an anger problem. You got a woman with an anger problem. And you have a miracle if they don't kill each other. <laughs> all right? So, so um, anyway, they get married. They, ha- they have two sons. Things appear to be going pretty well. And then Moses, one day when he's out with the sheep, he has this burning bush encounter that you've all read about comes back, and he says to Jethro, his father-in-law, listen, I had this amazing encounter today with God. God told me to go back to Egypt, and this is what he told me to do. So Jethro says, well, if God told you to do that, you need to do it. And so uh, um, the next thing you know, uh, Moses and his family, they strike out for Egypt. And on the first night something really bad happens. How many of you know, sometimes husbands and wives, they can just kind of get at each other a little bit? (laughs) Is there anybody here married who hasn't at some time or another gotten at each other a little bit? I'm gonna cast out the spirit of lying if anybody (laughs) raises their hand. (laughs) But you also, if you're married, you know, that there are other times when it ain't a little bit. Yeah. It's, a, it's one of the big ones. Anybody, let's be honest, okay, it's just us. <laughs> I'm watching you, woman, to make sure you raise your hand. <laughs> Anybody here married ever had a big one? Oh, dear Jesus, I don't even want to think about it, okay. But she's got both hands up <laughs> down here. <laughs> so, um, they had a big fight and 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 we'll read here a little bit. I want to read this portion cuz it's a little bit confusing and I'll maybe help you understand a little bit. Um, uh, this now is their their first night out on their journey to Egypt. Let me just say I have a hunch that Zipporah was really tired, lack of sleep, been a, you know you you didn't like travel in the comfort that we have today it's hot it's dusty she probably isn't too excited about her husband's job assignment (laughs) the whole thing okay and then something happens it's verse 24 it's of the fourth chapter says it came to pass on the way at the inn that the Lord met him and sought to kill him And, and let me just like why here was the issue Apparently, God had told him that one of his sons was not circumcised. Now, the, the, the thing of circumcision was really important to God because it was a sign of the covenant. When God made the covenant with Abraham, this is how the covenant is ratified. This is, is, is a part of it. If you aren't circumcised as a male, you are not a part of the covenant. So God had told him that, and apparently he didn't do it. Verse 25, uh, and how many, how many know why he didn't do it? you got it. <laughs> okay. I mean, his wife was a Midianite. Circumcision, that's, that's brutal. That's bloody. That's, that's something you just don't do. But bottom line is God told him to do it, and God didn't give him a choice. Then Zipporah took a sharp stone, cut off the foreskin of her son, cast it at his feet, and said, you're a bloody husband. That's not nice to call your husband a bloody husband, okay? And so, so he, God, let him go, and then she said, a bloody husband you are because of circumcision. So now, here's the deal. You don't read anything else in your Bible about Zipporah until you come to the 18th chapter of the book of Exodus. And, and, um, and let me tell you why you don't read anything about her. It's because the next morning, Moses sent her back home to daddy. (laughs) Now, that's a serious, serious fight, okay? It's like, no, you're you're home today. I'm not putting up with this. You're going back home. You say, how do you know that, Pastor John? Well, when you go to the 18th chapter, uh, starting with verse 1 and 2, it says this. When Jethro, and that's his father-in-law, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses. how And, and by the way, you understand, now in the 18th chapter, Moses has gone down to, to Egypt. Uh, they've had the ten plagues and, and all of that. And the children of Israel have, have come out, come through the, 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 the waters of the Red Sea. And, and now they're at the Mount of God where, where the Ten Commandments was given. So he, here it is. And then, then, then came uh, uh, Moses' father-in-law. He took Moses' wife after Moses had sent her back. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife unto Moses into the wilderness where he encamped at the mount of God. And he said to Moses, and if you'll allow me, I'm going to take some liberty with this. Moses, Moses, you remember me? I'm your father-in-law. You're a, you're a great hero. You're a great man of God. You're on your way to the promised land. But Moses, I think you have forgotten something. Uh, right here, remember this? That's your wife and your kids. Do not be a deadbeat dad. You are taking them with you. I'm not going to have them living with me. There's the end of the verse right there. <laughs> now... Let me just say, uh, church, this doesn't, to me, appear like a very happy marriage. This, in fact, is a totally dysfunctional marriage. I've been pastoring for uh, nearly 50 years. And uh, during that time, um, I've done a lot of marriage counseling. And uh, I've observed a lot of marriages, both the good, the bad, and the ugly. And the great, by the way. And i I got to tell you that... (laughs) in my opinion, when people have great marriages, there are certain common things that are just common. I mean, if you have a couple over here that has a great marriage and you have a couple over here that has a great marriage and you start talking to them, you find that there are just some things that they have in common in their marriages. And, 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 and when you find people that don't have great marriages. Generally, there's the same thing going on. When I look at Moses and Zipporah, guess what? I don't find anything about that marriage that would qualify it for being, it even being possible for them to have a great marriage, a good marriage, let alone a great marriage. Let me give you some illustrations of what I'm talking about. Here's one of the things I've found out by being married. By the way, <laughs> Miss Linda and I. This year, in in just a few months, celebrate our 50th wedding anniversary. Yay, God! It's a miracle! (laughs) Okay, but uh, um, um, here's one of the things that you got to learn about marriage in a hurry. Marriage is not like eating at Burger King. Remember Burger King, they they got this saying they're so proud of, you can have it your way at Burger King. Honey, in a marriage, that dog won't hunt. I'm just telling you that will not work. One of the first things you need to do when you get married, and even before you get married, is to come to a place in your own mind where you go, you know what, if I have a strong self-will, I want things my way, it's my way or the highway and that kind of thing, Honey, you need to kill that self-will. And, and, and if you're married to somebody that has a strong self-will like that, I want to give you a good piece of advice. Do not try to kill their self-will. They will kill you. All right? Don't. Do it. If you've got, if you've got a self will problem with, with either of you in your marriage, the person who has it is the person that needs to deal with it. And you, and you, and you need to deal with it like this. Here's, here's, here's the secret of happiness in a, in a great marriage it's not, I get my way all the time. That's, that's not how it works. I get, I'm happy because I get my way every day. No, no. Here's how it works I am happy, I get immense happiness because my wife feels like she's married to the greatest husband on planet Earth. And you know what? She didn't feel like that because I always wanted my way. She feels like that because she knows it's more important to me that she gets her way than I get my way. I get my joy from giving that woman her way. I get my joy in seeing her happy. And can I tell you something? I heard this not too long ago. Somebody said this. I just remember somebody saying this not too long ago. What goes around comes around. Come on now, what goes around comes around. And, and, and my wife, sometimes I preach like this, I, and, and, and I have people here that used to attend Reds before they moved down here. And, uh, and, and um, I have this saying, whatever Miss Linda wants, Miss Linda gets. And every time I preach that afterwards, she'll say, you forgot to tell them that whatever John wants, John gets. Because that's just the way it is in a great marriage. You live for each other. You live to bless each other. You live to make each other happy. And that's your greatest joy. Amen. Is if you know you've made your mate happy. All right? So, so you know, with, with Moses and Zipporah, hey, it's like, so, God's telling you to do this? Uh-uh, I'm not signing on. And after she has to or else God's going to kill her husband, she's like, fine, I did it, you bloody husband. Let me tell you something, it doesn't work like that, not in a great marriage. Now, here, here's another uh, thing of how it works in a, in a great marriage. I like this. In a, in a great marriage, you never stop cherishing your mate. Now, now I don't know how, how long y'all been married or, or if you can remember back that far, but most of you, when you got married, you, and part of your vows was, I will love him and cherish him. I will love her and cherish her. Now, I've performed hundreds of weddings, and sometimes you're going over the vows. I've had women say, hey, that part in there about, I'll I'll submit to you as unto the Lord, take that out, Pastor John. I don't like that. I've had women actually say that. And, And I won't tell you what I say to them. But at any rate... I have never, ever had a couple go, no, we don't want to promise to cherish each other. They're happy to say that. Why? It's because at that point in their life, guess what? Their mate is perfect. I mean, to be highly cherished. Just absolutely flawless, Perfect. I mean, the the man of her dreams, the woman of his dreams. But can I tell you something about Dr. Marriage? Dr. Marriage is an optometrist, not a gynecologist. Somebody's back there, huh? (laughs) I'm not explaining it to you, okay? And one visit to Dr. Marriage will have you singing an old hymn of the church that goes like this. I once was blind, but now I see. (laughs) All right? Listen, in a a marriage, you don't have to be married very long till you see the good, the bad, the ugly, and the really ugly. (laughs) It's just a part of life. But can I tell you something about marriages that are successful? And, and doing really well, those kinds of couples have been very careful not to fall into the trap of focusing on the bad and the ugly. Marriages that are in trouble, they just start focusing on, well, he doesn't do this, and I don't like this, and she doesn't do that, and, and I wish she'd stop doing that, and on and on. And that becomes the total focus of their life in their marriage. Can I say to you, if your marriage is in trouble, would you just stop right now and think, is this guy reading our mail? Is there any truth? I would dare say, if your marriage is in serious trouble, I have just nailed one of the things that's going on. But listen, hear me. Your marriage can be saved and turned around if you walk out of here tonight, you have a good talk, and you say, yeah, I've been guilty of that, and, and it's, it's, it's really hurtful to our marriage, and I'm not going to do that anymore. I will guarantee you, my wife does some things that drive me crazy. Now, I shouldn't have said that, because when, when we get out of here tonight in the car, she's first thing she's going to say, what do I do that makes you crazy? <laughs> And, I, and I'm going to say, "I'm sorry, I can't tell you that." <laughs> but the bottom line is, I do things that make her crazy, and I'm not telling you either, or you, I don't want you to tell me, okay, I really don't want to know, Let me be ignorant but um, But the fact is, here's how it works. here's how it works. When you cherish each other, you just you learn, I'm going to look for the good. as you grow older, you get more cherishing you, you just get it's like you are crazy about that person here stand up here I, I just got the hots for you and I have to hug you <laughs> I love her so much she is so valuable to me why it's because we both made this vow we'll cherish each other and the only way we can keep doing that for 50 years, is to just keep looking at the best of the best that each of us has.
0: That's good. That's
1: good. <laughs> so there it is. And it's not all that hard either. <clears throat> now, I got to tell you something. Got to give you a warning. If you have developed bad habits and you've been, you've been like looking at all the stuff you don't like and all that, Can I tell you something? At first, it's going to seem really difficult to change that. It's going to take a conscious decision on your part. And and, and I got to tell you, it's going to seem totally unnatural. Just do it. Just do it. And you'll find out. It will bless you. Now, here's another area um, where obviously Moses and Zipporah just just really blew it. Um, And this is going to be probably one of the most important things I'm going to teach you today and, and I want to I start this by saying, I'm going to warn you in advance, you're going to hear something in the next uh, uh, 15 minutes or so that is absolutely going to seem to be totally contrary to everything you've ever believed or been taught. Please, just because it's new... Don't, don't be like looking at it like my grandchildren look at something that they've never eaten before and they're like, I ain't eating that, I don't know what that is. You know, try it, you will like it. No, I'm not eating that. I just took care of them uh, this week, two of my grandsons. That's the way they are, okay? Don't be like that. There's, there are things that the Bible says that we haven't yet ever tapped. How many believe that? Yeah. And, 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 and so this is going to seem different. Don't be afraid of it. Think about it. And it's either in the word or it isn't in the word. And if you are not sure that I'm giving you the right interpretation, we'll do some Hebrew word study and all that. If you're not sure, then afterwards, study it for yourself and see whether or not I am telling you the truth. And, 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 and here's what it all involves. In a great marriage, two people Learn to work together as a team. Now, I have to be honest with you. I don't think a lot of people in the church really know what that looks like. Because the fact of the matter is the church hasn't taught much about how a husband and wife can work together as a team. What has the church taught? Okay, let's just do a little, little. Uh, uh, I've been teaching school this this week. I, t- I told you I, I taught all the, these uh, classes this week. It was up at the Resurrection Christian School. And what I like about it is you can like ask for discussion and all that. So I'm kind of hooked on that. That's fun. So let me, let me ask you a question here. And, and just if you think you have the answer, just, just shout it out. Don't say it quiet. Just shout it out. Um, uh, I'll be kind if you have the wrong answer. I'll be kind to you. Okay. But um, if we were to ask the question, in a marriage, what is the job of the husband. What's his job? Protector, Protector provider, leadership. leadership. Yeah. What kind of leadership? Spiritual. Spiritual leadership. He's the head. Okay. That's the word I was hoping somebody would say to me. Just, just the head. Just get out there and lead and be the head. Now, how about the wife? Wives, what is your number one job that you're supposed to do?
0: <laughs>
1: it's not a trick question um, uh, man I got to talk to your pastor about he needs to do a series of marriage but uh, come on W-wives. wives wives? yes yeah, somebody knows the Bible wives submit so here we have it husbands you're the head you lead wives you just submit to him Wow, that's really teamwork. (laughs) Okay? Wow, what teamwork. Fantastic concept, man. You just lead, I just follow along behind. (laughs) Now, if we were to do a survey and say, just the husbands now, okay, and the wives wouldn't be present. Guys, how do you feel about all that? Do you feel really good? How many of you guys, don't raise your hand now, okay, okay. I'm here to help, not create problems, okay. <laughs> but anyway, if I were to ask guys, just be honest. How many of you guys, you just, you just really eat that up. You're, you just think this is the greatest thing in the world. I mean, this is slicker than, than creamy peanut butter. Um, uh, I like just having that arrangement. I'm just out here leading How many are totally comfortable with that? I'm telling you, not too many men would raise their hand that they are totally comfortable with it. Because I'll tell you, from working with men for years, men struggle with this. It's like, number one, I don't feel like I'm doing a very good job. Mm, Getting quiet in this church. I don't feel like I'm doing a very good job. And in fact, some men even feel condemned. It's like, I'm a failure. I'm just, I, I go to men's advances and I hear all this stuff and be the leader and be the head and come on, man. We had a, we had a uh, men's advance a couple years ago at Res where the theme was man up. Come on, just rise up, men, and be what God calls you to be, bless God.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> now, we, uh, on the side of the women, they're just like there are women that are so frustrated. They're just they're just like they're ready to bite a nail into. It's like it says wives submit yourself unto your husbands as unto the Lord. If my husband would act just a little bit like the Lord, this wouldn't be so hard. And sometimes women just get just frustrated. It's like, I'm supposed to submit to this knucklehead? It's just, oh, God. Listen, I want to ask you a question. Um, is it possible that there's something else here besides just, wives submit to your husband. Husbands you're the head. Now, somebody's going to say, but it's in the Bible. says it right there in Ephesians. Yeah, I know that. But is it possible that the Bible says something else about this amazing union between a husband and a wife that would give us a little more ability to understand how this whole thing's supposed to work? Hmm? Well, trust me, there is. And if you want to know where to find it, all you got to do is go back, how many know this whole thing of husband and wife, it was God's idea? And he tells us about it before he ever does it, back in Genesis. Now, let me jump back up here. Boy, my age, this step is getting a lot higher than it was <laughs> last time I was here. But, uh, let's, let's just look at that. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. And the Lord God said, it is not good. Everybody say, not good. good. It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helpmeet for him. Now, first of all, the word help. It's that Hebrew word that's translated help there. It is found 21 times in other places in the Old Testament. And every time that word is used, it is always translated help. <laughs> now, well, <laughs> What deep insight can we get from this? Well, kind of looks like this. Guys, it appeared to me, you need help. (laughs) (laughs) Ushers, lock the doors. Don't let any man out. You need help. I think the Beatles had it right. Help! I need somebody. Help. Not just anybody. Help. I need somebody. Help. I didn't sell as many albums as they did. (laughs) So now the question that begs an answer is, help with what? That's really important. Help with what? Um, Help. Uh, men seem to have this amazing sickness that causes them not to be able to find things. (laughs) (laughs) She says to me the other day, I'm like, I can't find it. She goes, well, did you look in this particular drawer? Yeah, I've already looked there. She says, let me go look. She opened the same drawer, there it was. But, But, like, help finding the remote for the TV? No, I don't think that's what Adam needed help with. How about this? Washing his clothes. Well, no. (laughs) They were naked. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't even dress in drag. (laughs) So, help with what? Well, he said a help meet. Now, if you look at the word meet, you will find that the literal meaning of that Hebrew word that's translated meet means a counterpart or a mate. Because of that, some of you have translations that read a companion. Now, listen to me. If all she was supposed to do was just hang out with him, to keep him from being lonesome I think it would have been better if God created another man <laughs> at least they'd have understood each other <laughs> if he, if God, I was thinking about this earlier today I told my wife this, I said if God had just created another man so they could just have somebody to hang out with, that would have been the world's first example of Dumb and dumber. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. So, okay. She's supposed to be a companion for him. But what specifically is she supposed to be doing besides just, like, hanging out with him? Well, in order to get that, you got to look at that word meet again and go a little bit deeper. The Hebrew word that's translated meet there is the Hebrew word... um, (laughs) Negged. this would not preach down south in Georgia, okay? Some of you didn't get that. Think about it for a while. It, just, it simply means a counterpart or a mate. But if you really want to know what she was supposed to be doing, you have to go to the root of naked And the root of naked is the Hebrew word nagged. Somebody's quick over there. <laughs> nagged, as in nag. Now, now, there's no connection there whatsoever to, to our English word nag and that Hebrew word nagged. No connection there at all. <laughs> A lot of women don't know that, but... <laughs> shouldn't have said that. I sure just locked the doors, don't let any women out. But... Uh, I was stunned when I looked up the root from which naked, a companion, comes from. Because, are you ready for this? Here is literally what the root means, and it tells us what her God-given task is as his companion. Here it is, you Ready? Yeah, <laughs> to stand boldly, out against and opposite to and to announce or declare by word of mouth to the one present to expose to predict and to explain that's amazing because that's what they do It comes natural to them. (laughs) And I'm going to tell you, it's most amazing because that's what they've been told not to do. Just shut up and submit. (laughs) No. They're supposed to expose, explain, predict, and they're supposed to do that to the one present. Here's, Here's a good story. My wife and I like to go four-wheeling, so we have this nice old people's four-wheeler side by side, (laughs) Yamaha, Rhino, grandpa and grandma kind of thing. We're out four-wheeling one day last summer, and I thought I had filled it with gas when we brought it in the the other time, but I guess I didn't. And we get out there ways away and several miles, and and I look down at the gas gauge, and I'm like, oh, look at that. I must not have filled it with gas when I brought it back. she's like, how low is it? I said, well, it's pretty, pretty low. She says, turn it around, John. I said, no, 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 no. I'm sure we can go further. <laughs> we go several miles further. John, if you don't turn this around, you got to remember, we've got to go all the way back and you got to have enough gas to get all the way back. And if you don't turn it around now, we're going to run out of gas. We're going to have to walk. I won't tell you how that story ended. It's amazing. It's just stunning. It's crazy amazing. And when you're younger, you're like, shut up woman and submit. But the older you get, it's part of the cherishing thing. You go, I don't understand how this works. But I understand it works. They have an insight and an ability. That just defies anything I can put my head around. And in a good marriage, a couple learns how to work together with that. Now, somebody is sitting there going, wait a minute. So, she says, turn around. And you're just supposed to turn around because she said, turn around. No, I don't have to. (laughs) I can do whatever I stupid well please. (laughs) You understand him? Now, somebody's like, but it says it in the Bible. She's supposed to submit, and you're supposed to lead. If you do it your way, then she's the head. She's doing the leading. That is, I want to be nice. That's not right. (laughs) Listen, listen. Here's a good illustration. We have a president. Um, yes. And <laughs> <laughs> it's not my job to come down here and create problems with your, for your pastor. Um, we have a president. Our president has a cabinet. The cabinet is made up of people that have amazing insight into certain areas. So he has a cabinet meeting. And he says, I need some counsel and some advice on this. And they tell him, well, this is the way we see it, and this is what we think would be the best course of action. Now, I want to ask you a question. Just because he was smart enough to ask for their counsel, do you think he no longer is the head of state that they now have taken over? Huh? Nope. Now, he walks out of the cabinet meeting, and he says, this is what I'm going to do. Now, what's their job? Get behind him and support him. Submit to the decision that he has made. Hello. Hello. Why why is it that husbands are like, no, shut up, woman. I don't want to hear from you. You just submit. I want you to know in a great marriage... They have overcome that right there, and they're working as a team. And he recognizes that one of the reasons he cherishes her so much is because there are so many times when she just says something, and it's like, dude, I didn't even think of it that way, honey. Ah, That's good. Now, he's still the head. He can do whatever he wants, and she's supposed to submit, but he doesn't. Fail to acknowledge she's awesome. She's an awesome gift from God. God had a great idea when he created her like he created her. Could I hear a good amen in this house? All right. All right. So there, there it kind of is. When I, when I look at Moses and Zipporah, it's just like, man, they just they didn't have it together at all. They desperately needed to hear this sermon It maybe could have saved their marriage. So let's go over it again. Kill yourself, Will. Start looking for the good in your mate. Cherish your mate. Start working together as a team. And and, and the bottom line is this. If you can't work together as a team, then go back to number one and start over. Because I'm going to tell you something. When you get them all, you will cherish your mate and you will highly respect your mate. And, uh, Lord, we just thank you for this, uh, this message. Lord, we believe there's going to be fruit from it. We believe there's going to be people who, who maybe their marriage is it's not like, like ready to dissolve or something, but it's just headed down the wrong road, and they're not comfortable with that. Lord, I'm just praying that they will somehow be able to take something from this and talk about it, and begin to make, um, make some changes in the marriage. And let me, let me just ask you real quick. Um, if, if you'd like me to pray specifically for your marriage. This doesn't mean it's on the rocks or anything like that. But, but you know it could be better. And you just want God to give you the key. Maybe, maybe just one thing I taught today. Uh, would, would be key for your marriage. But you want God to give you that key. Could, could you just slip a hand up and I'll pray for you? You don't have to come up here or anything like that. Okay, hands up everywhere. Lord, you see those hands? And I'm going to ask you, Jesus, to give a, a spirit of revelation knowledge to every person that has their hand up. God, my wife and I, we, we have faced things over the years where we just had to get your mind uh, about that issue. And, and, and you have to teach b- all, both of us um, how we could overcome that issue. Lord, and you've done that for us over and over again and again. I pray you'll do that now for these people that have their hands raised. God, I just pray their marriages will become not good marriages, but their marriages will become great marriages. And they'll come to that point in their life where they cherish their mates so strong. They become such a team. And, 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 and they're going... God, I never knew it could be this good. Lord, I just pray I loose the Holy Spirit into their marriages right now in a fresh new way. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.